What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com. Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into this special recruiting episode of the Locked On Global Podcast brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Joining me is the Locked On Podcast Network National Recruiting Analyst, Brian Smith, for another episode. Brian, how are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. How about yourself? Doing just fine. I know that Brian's schedule, if it hasn't already, is going to vamp up with all of the events going on that have either started or are coming up. But we're going to talk about three players, give a little recruiting update and talk about three players specifically. All in the 2025 class, we start out with uh, Myron Charles, who is around Brian's stomping grounds down there in Florida. We'll also talk about CJ May, who um, Brian has a tie to the Alabama area as well. And then finally, we'll conclude with Grady Anthony, local player uh, just outside of the city of Louisville, who experienced an extreme ratings boost um, after a solid camp performance at best of the Midwest. So, Brian, we'll start out in your sunny state of Florida. Myron Charles is a prospect that has been on campus before, according to Jody Demling, was. Um, included in the 2025 players to watch. He's from an interesting area, though. Tell me why um, Charles being very solid from the Port Charlotte area is sort of rare. That high school never has kids like him. He's an hour south of Sarasota. It's a retirement area. There's a few players, but you really got to go about another 50 minutes further south to the greater Fort Myers area, which is loaded. But he's at Port Charlotte, and I guarantee if he walked out onto the field with his teammates, you wouldn't need a roster to figure out who Myron is. <laughs> now, Ty Spaulding from Global Rivals mentioned that Jeff Brom has, uh, is either planning to or has visited Charles recently, but Global's not the only one here. Charles has a ton of offers from some big-time spots. On the defensive line, just sort of give me a little bit of a synopsis of what type of player we're looking at here with Myron. He's the rare interior defensive lineman that can one gap or two gap, meaning he could play some nose for you, depending on how big he gets. He could be a true nose and a zero, kind of like Georgia and Alabama have run in the past. But he's probably better than one gap and go system, although he's 290 or 295 already. Those are the rarest of the rare, and that's why he's got AM, Georgia, Miami, Louisville, Florida, you name it, Florida State. They've all offered. Body types like his are rare, even in the state of Florida where we got a lot of ball players. 
That's why this kid's been offered by everybody. That's why he's an Under Armour guy and every other uh, All-American game wants to get him. He can go whatever school he wants. He seems to be a, a player that um, obviously a, a ton of big schools have started to recruit. You mentioned before the show that he's got the Georgia Texas offered recently. Yep. Uh the competition level, I know that it sort of varies depending on where you're at. You mentioned Port Charlotte about an hour south of Sarasota. Give us a little bit of an insight as to you know, are you worried at all based upon the level of competition or is this one of the situations where you kind of look at the offer sheet and it speaks for itself? It's a combination. I've seen him in a in a one-on-one situation with guys his size. There's five on five camps now where linemen go against each other, just reps, pass rushing, and he can move. I've seen him from five feet away. Uh, he's a dude, and he has the athleticism, the bend to be a pass rusher, even though he's an interior guy. He's not dominant at it by any means. He's got a ways to go, but he's going against other kids that can play college football, and he wins the majority of his reps. If I've got 295 athletic, and I've already seen some intelligence with how he mixes his moves and what he does to kind of conquer an offensive lineman. That's not real hard. You got to take a chance on that because again, he's 290 plus. There are only so many guys that big. His offer sheet is going to be through the roof. Already listed as a top 150 player. Louisville is known for or at least um, one of their bread and butter things is going into the Florida area and getting those players that are overlooked by the big-time programs like Miami and Florida State. It seems like Miami is getting in the mix here, at least from from the offer sheet. Um, TJ Caper, Stanquan Clark, maybe starting to – who knows if it becomes a trend or not of Florida players going to Louisville. Do you think that that could have any type of impact at all? Having some highly ranked guys, not just your lower-level four-star guys, but true four-star at one point borderline five-star level guy, does that have any impact potentially on a player like Charles and his decision? Florida kids are the most fickle in the country. It absolutely matters. If he visits, he's going to talk to the kids from his neck of the woods. It's it's imperative. If you don't have a few of those kids on your roster, you're fighting more of an uphill battle. And they have multiple. Florida has always been a state that Louisville has hit the hardest. And I don't think that's going to change under Brom. They hit some Georgia, Alabama too. But they recruit Florida like they're Florida State. And they're okay to take that three-star kid in red shirt and develop because they do it every year. It, it, their plan is kind of, I would say, similar with Florida, what Iowa does, but with just more speed. Like Iowa doesn't have the same kind of perimeter speed, and Louisville gets those receivers and stuff. Well, they're doing it on defense now, too. Capers was a big get out of Columbus High School. They got the kid out of Homestead this in this last class, too. All those kids being on the roster are going to help you get a Myron Charles. And you're going to need everything to get him. Again, Texas offered a kid from a random high school in Florida. What does that tell you? This recruitment will not be friendly. It will be a very ugly, muddied up, awkward through signing day recruitment. Does Louisville win very many of those? No. Mm -hmm. But if you don't get some of those kids, you're never going to get over the hump. I I just did uh, the Wisconsin show a little bit ago. It's the same thing. I said – Wisconsin's not getting over the hump till they finally get some of the kids down south that play defensive tackle that Alabama, Georgia, Florida, et cetera, want. There is no shortcut. It is a very slim number, and they're almost always down south or in a warm state. you got to find a way to get them. 
That makes sense. And in a recent article, um, I, b- I believe it's from Zach Blostein talking about um, Myron Charles and his interest in Florida State. And Blostein mentions Florida State, Georgia, Florida, Oregon, Ohio State, South Florida, USC, and Miami as the schools that are currently high on Charles's list. <laughs> Forgive me if I'm being ignorant here, Brian, but of course you're going to kick the tires as much as you can, but it almost seems, you know, what was on the outside looking in, how much uh, realistically, how, how much of the resources should be delegated toward prioritizing a guy like Charles if you're on the outside looking in? Well, I guess there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Do you have a connection to the area? Does somebody on the staff know his high school coach? There's got to be a connection or something. NIL is going to be a part of this, so they're not getting him. Let's not kid ourselves. Oh, yeah, of And at the same time, Brom's a pretty damn good recruiter. He's always talked about, oh, he's a quarterback coach. He's a play caller. I've known for years he was a pretty good recruiter. He got kids to go to Purdue. That is not easy. Right. It's easier to get kids to go to Louisville. I guarantee you. I've been on both campuses. I'd rather go to Louisville. The point is still the same, though. If your head coach is involved in recruiting, your chances of winning go up. He's involved. He's taking the trips. He's going to Florida, Capers, and these other kids. He's trying to recruit them. They at least have a puncher's chance. The other thing they can sell is he's got a chance to come in and kind of change it. Like Louisville's known for offense. That's not any secret. They get a couple more kids like him. They're going to be in the playoff. They got a chance to win the ACC every year. There are only a couple of players away, but it's again, it's a very specific thing. You look at the last 10 years of college football playoff, how many teams that finished as number one or number two didn't have a defensive tackle that ended up getting drafted? I bet right. it's zero. Right. There's and almost every one of them was an elite recruit. Again, it, it is a very small group. Clemson, Bama, LSU, Georgia. Right. There's just no shortcut. The kid for Michigan, that 340-pound guy and the the Washington interior offensive line were probably really happy for that game to end. They couldn't block him. <laughs> they got him out, of, I think, St. Francis or one of the schools in Maryland. That interior dominant player, man, there's just no way around it. He's right in front of the ball. If you've got a dominant guy there, it changes your, your whole program. Michigan went to the East Coast to get that kid. Well, Louisville, maybe they can find their guy in Florida this year. We're going to transition over to talking about uh, another recruit on the list. But before we do that, um, I'm going to ask you a question. You mentioned the playoff, 12-team playoff. Some of these highly ranked 2025 guys are going to hold off until the winter, until December. So it seems like when the majority of guys sign, a, a good amount commit even at that point. Some wait until February. How theoretically, now we're playing the hypothetical here, Brian. If Louisville were to make the 12-team playoff, how much does that affect the perception of the Cardinals program in terms of recruiting from a national scale? Well, if you're still in a recruitment that is honestly open and it's not just Louisville's name on a sheet to take up to the podium and they know they're going to LSU or Florida or whatever, yeah. Like if you're if you're 10-1 and one going into the final week of the season playing Kentucky or whatever it is, I would think your TV set would be tuned in if you're being – okay, they're after me. They keep telling me things. Let's see it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I would. I'm, I'm guessing uh, you're a Louisville fan. I know you would, but, I mean, it's just – realistically, as a recruit, especially somebody from out of state, Right. these kids need reason to believe. This year is very important. Yeah. Last year, they, they were the hunter. They're going to be more of the hunted this year because they were in the ACC title game. 
if they can come back and some, and I don't think they'll be as good. I honestly, I just don't. They got to prove it to me. But if they can get to the ACC title game again, and they don't have guys like Myron, okay, they just they don't have many. They've got more the three star kid they've coached up. I'm not saying I don't have anybody like him, but how many six four, three hundred pound defensive linemen does Louisville have? You know what I mean? Not many. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if you can sell, we're already here. You can be the next guy. Right. I, it's got to open their eyes. They're human, and they're probably going to play early. Yeah, every kid likes that. I definitely agree. And for Louisville to take that next step, they have to go into places like Florida and recruit well. Also, a place of interest that we're going to focus on is Alabama. Now, you have some ties to Alabama as well. We're going to talk about a highly rated edge rusher from the state of Alabama here uh, momentarily after we talk about our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy. It also keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Second segment of this recruiting episode of the Locked On Global Podcast brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs with um, national football recruiting analyst Brian Smith. Brian, you have ties to Florida. You now have ties to Alabama as well. A highly rated player from the state of Alabama, C.J. May, has stated in a recent interview that he wants to make it to Louisville's campus for spring ball, which is um, a common occurrence with these highly rated players. But back in August, he mentioned the Cardinals program as um, an early favorite in his recruitment. Seems like he's gotten more um, offers recently. Tell me what you know about Mr. May. He could play a linebacker or he could more likely be an edge. Very good athlete, a kid that can play downhill. He can play out in space a little bit, but I I like him going towards the quarterback more than I do dropping away from him. 6-2, and he's a kid that plays at a program where it matters. He plays at Highland Home. But the kid on the other side, J.K. Falk, is going to Auburn. I mean, they got they got players. And he's, quite frankly, a guy just from the Alabama. You want to get those kind of players. Louisville's done a nice job of getting the under-the-radar guys in Alabama for you. He's a cusp, top 10 kid in Alabama for this next class, but I don't think Bama will go after him. Doesn't mean he's not good. Auburn right. has hosted him, et cetera. I'm curious to see what his visit plans are this spring because he's that guy that's, again, teeter-tottering on top 10 in Alabama. You're really good if you're doing that. They were third per capita in the country this last year for the NFL draft for right. state sending guys to the league. So mm-hmm. he could be a kid that Louisville would take, and I think they would take him today. Never have enough defenders that can run, brother, and that especially that are over 200 pounds. So CJ's one of those kids. 
Right, and, and he just decommitted. For, well, actually, it's weird because he named Louisville in that um, that top list, or at least in the favorites, and then he commits to Notre Dame just about a month later. Decommits pretty recently. How how involved do you think Notre Dame stays in the mix here? Because, I mean, it doesn't seem like Marcus Freeman's going anywhere. The reason that it's not worked for Notre Dame is Freeman has a really unique recruiting strategy. I don't always agree with it. Once you're committed, you don't take visits. Kind of. Oh, it's the, da- the Dabo effect. He's very similar to it. Not completely, but it's pretty damn close. Okay. Um, if it's an official visit, it's hell no. So Dabo's just hell no with everything. But right. it's a similar deal, and they try to keep the class tight-knit and close it down early. So CJ didn't want to do that, so they got – I think it was more Notre Dame than CJ in a lot of ways. They, they, they weren't going to put up with it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm not the one handing out the scholarships in South Bend. So he can play, and there's a lot of teams that will – they will like it, but if he committed to Louisville, I bet you they'd let him take a visit somewhere else. That's my guess. Yeah, I mean – from from what we've seen, I mean, of course, um, you know, Brom has a really, really good success rate when he gets a player on an official visit. But on the other side of the coin, usually those players don't then turn around and visit elsewhere. But there have been a couple cases where that's happened. But you mentioned that Alabama at, at this point doesn't seem to be a player in this recruitment. Now everyone's trying to figure out. What's Alabama's MO going to be? Kalen DeBoer, um, an attractive name in college football. We'll see how it translates on the field, but you're still recruiting at Alabama. So uh, Alabama, Auburn sitting here, um, it's obviously feels instinctive to worry that, you know, even if you were to commit that you still have to worry about those in-state schools up until the very end. I think that's Louisville's perpetual situation because you're not winning anything by recruiting in-state in Kentucky. Sorry, it's just true. No, you're not. You're you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, I, I've said it. You know, a four star in Kentucky probably isn't as good as a three star in Florida. A lot of the time, that's probably true. But here's the biggest thing: you got to go where the talent's at. Yeah, of Kentucky's got a few more players than people know, but at the same time, there just isn't enough of them for an eighty-five man roster. That's why, even though Kentucky and Louisville often pack their stadiums, they got seven and five, six, you know, six and six teams. They don't have enough depth. This is the kind of kid you bring in. CJ may not start right away, but he's a good enough athlete. He could be an all-ACC player down the road. Doesn't mean that Bama doesn't go after him or if LSU doesn't go after him. He's not really freaking good. So you got to trust in your coaching staff, trust in your own evaluations. Does he fit our culture? The other thing you're battling now, in my opinion, this is for any school, not just Louisville. If we're getting this kid, is he going to be here for more than a year? Yeah. Is he just looking for that NIL bag and getting out to die? Those kids got to go. That's the other thing that's a different barometer I have to add to my spreadsheet. Like, what's this kid's character like? What kind of people does he have around him? So mm-hmm. CJ's a pretty good kid. I don't think they're going to have a problem with that. That also adds to his value. A good question that this is an overall, not even really relating to CJ, but I think it, it bodes well going into the next segment, uh, talking about developmental pieces and sort of Louisville's MO now moving forward. You and I mentioned it. Getting 27 to 30 transfers a cycle, it's not a sustainable business model. And Brom said that in his post-national signing day uh, press conferences that it's not going to be this way, you know, forever. It's going to really depend on the class specifically 
and, and what the needs are after every season. You're recruiting your team every single year. I do wonder if the MO changes, though. You know, usually it's like, okay, you if you get a couple of pieces that you like in the class, you can take a swing for the fences with some of these higher-rated players. Does that change a little bit more with the scholarships being more limited because you are putting more emphasis on the portal? Do you have to sort of approach high school recruiting in a different way if that's your so your go-to avenue? Well, you can still take kids and redshirt them. You don't have to really change it much, but it's, it may not be as quick a turnaround as what Louisville boosters want. Right. I mean, I always done it that way forever, and they'd never get a five-star DB, but how many DBs they put in the NFL? You can still win that manner. Um, I just don't know what patience from and the boosters and all the people in Louisville have, but eventually if you're going to get over the hump again, it comes back to the same thing I said about Myron Charles. You got to go where it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to take away a kid from in-state that other schools want. If you're going to ascend Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, I think they're approaching this the right way. Because I'd rather, as a Louisville fan, go seven and five, but at least we tried to get those kids, than go eight and four and we didn't. Who cares? Eight and four, nobody cares anyway. So if they have a couple down years here and there because they missed on some recruits, whatever. Swing for the fences, do what you're doing. Eight and four, I mean, if you would have asked me before, um, honestly, before this season where Louisville got to 10 wins, whether it is fool's gold or not, most people are hoping and praying that it's not. But – Louisville has been a perennial program to where it is an eight and four type program to where you have mainly you're, you're fluctuating in that seven and five, eight to four range. And you'll have the occasional 10 win season, like we saw a couple of times through the past decade or so. But like you said, to get to the next level, you have to swing for the fences, but Brom has made it a point of emphasis. Even if he's trying to prioritize South Florida, he's going to be more open to local recruiting than Scott Satterfield was. And, Louisville has shown that throughout, and they've already got one of their first local commitments in 2025, who got a big ratings boost, Grady Anthony, North Oldham offensive lineman. We will discuss here momentarily as we talk about one of the title sponsors of the show, FanDuel. Brian, I know you're a football guy, but listen, man, we need to get buckets with our first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet as long as you don't take any advice from me because it feels like I am snake bitten. That's $150 if your first bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with the quick bets. Live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot. FanDuel is the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Already into the final segment of this recruiting episode brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, Brian Smith, National Football Recruiting Analyst of the Locked On Podcast Network. Grady Anthony, Brian, local guy from North Oldham, um, your prototypical developmental guy that puts on a ton of weight each and every offseason. He tweeted out just two days ago that he's added 40 pounds since this time last year. Um, You take it for what it's worth coming from the player himself, but Steve Wiltfong um, identified Grady as one of the top offensive linemen at the best of the Midwest Combine. I guess start out, what are your thoughts on that Combine? Is it obviously one that's pretty reputable that Will Finch should put some stock into? Well, it's something that's been around, and if Steve's around it, there's players there. I've known Steve a long time. Steve ain't going to something just for fun. There's, there's kids that he can get video of and make money off of or he's not going. 
So there, there's some ball players. That that's first and second. For him to be paying attention to offensive linemen like that is also a good sign. Like me, like everybody else, you tend to kind of let your eyes go towards the skill guys. That's a good sign for this young man. He's a player that looking at, you know, the measurables being six foot five, 266 pounds listed on 24-7. Watching him play, it's really hard to gauge due to the lack of competitiveness overall from the state of Kentucky, despite Louisville yeah. being one of the better talent areas. Um, but being able to put weight on in that fashion looks like solid footwork, solid hands, but it also at the same time, Louisville doesn't really need an offensive lineman to step in right away with, with their MO of utilizing the portal to pretty much do that. I think he's a kid that reminds me of what Kirk Ferentz would want at Iowa, he can run outside zone because he's got feet. He's pretty technically sound for a high school kid. He's been coached more than what most high school players have. I would imagine that Anthony is a young man that will put on another 30 pounds pretty easily, and by the time he leaves, probably 50. He'll play at 6'4", 315, 308, something like that. Before he leaves, Iowa, Louisville, Kentucky, wherever he ends up, that's a football player. If he was in the state of Florida, if he was in the state of Alabama, his ranking would be higher. Because he's in Kentucky, nobody sees him. He's lucky right. that Steve saw him, or else still, he'd still be nobody talk about. Him. That's that's yeah. true. That's true. One thing, and, and that that's interesting because I would assume if he's going to this camp, he's going to go to multiple camps. Sure. Currently ranked just in, just outside of the top eight hundred, but he's only got offers from Louisville and Eastern Kentucky. That'll change real quick. I was about to say how realistically, if he's showing out at these camps. How much more does his profile grow? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a name that he reminds me of, Zen Mikulski, if that name rings a bell at all. But he was a lower level recruit, uh, offensive lineman out of the state of Indiana. Ended up going to Ohio State, but committed to Louisville when he was still unheralded. But blew up his senior season because he added more weight. He uh, went to camps his junior season, and his stock blew up. So it really reminds me of that. There's a kid down at the seven-on-seven tournament battle, Miami area. He's from Bishop Gorman out in Las Vegas. Great program, but it's still way out west. Had a great showing. He got like 10 offers in the next three, four days. When all the guys, Steve was there and uh, Chad Simmons and everybody, when these guys see them, they all talk to college coaches. I talk to coaches. Who'd you like? That's the first thing. And then they go watch the kids film. And then they watch the video clips. There's a kid in South Alabama that I wrote about recently. Nobody had offered him. Now he's got several SEC offers. They go watch the film. That's what happens with this. This kid that we're talking about now, he's from Kentucky, just a random high school. Will Fong talks about him. Steve talks to everybody. That kid's going to get offers. Within the next three, four weeks, his numbers will go up in terms of offers. And once spring ball gets there and the coaches get transcripts and all that, it'll, it'll go up even more. He's a good football player. It's just exposure. It's a matter of when, not if. Uh, he's, he's a good football player. Brian, my last question for you, and this is something that I think Kentucky or people from Kentucky, which is the majority of this podcast listening to, in your experience, what is the perception from maybe from your angle and maybe from a coaching perspective, what is the perception of recruits in the state of Kentucky overall? Not very good. It's not very good because there's just not enough players. 
it's not enough speed and there's not enough exposure to opportunities. Like there's a trainer on every freaking corner in Florida. There's a, it's just a focus on football. People would ask me, and I live in Alabama, and that's the same thing. Every town has trainers. They have facilities that are just – the entire town stops for when that football team plays. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm from Indiana. Originally. Indiana and Kentucky are the same with basketball. High school basketball yeah, is a big year. It, it definitely a basketball state. So, with that, it's just not the same. Like, I was at the Atlanta Under Armour camp. Carrollton High School, it's about 30 minutes or so west of Atlanta. We were in an indoor facility that was no BS here, as good as what you would see with an NFL team. It's a high school that has that indoor. Mm-hmm. It's all paid for by boosters. Nobody paid for it. I believe it. And that's that's why those kids, if you put the money into it, everybody start playing. It's just more important further down south. So you get more kids to go out for football. That, that's really, it's just money. It, it's the difference. And uh, the track kids in Florida, it, that's the other kind of random thing. That Florida's just got so many kids that can run. Facilities aren't as good as Alabama, Georgia, but they, everybody comes down for them. But uh, there's four or five kids in Kentucky every year that are really good. But there are literally teams in Florida, one team that have more power five prospects in the entire state of Kentucky. Certainly. Then you get, you get that. There's always it seems like one every six or seven years that's truly elite, like your Damian Harris, yep. Jedrick Wills, um, et cetera. But it makes sense that why go up to Kentucky when there's talent every way you look down in the Sun Belt. So yeah, you know, it would make a lot of sense. So a lot of kids are even moving down to be at these schools now. So it it's I mean, I get it. it's just more exposure. Is, is it the same – not to get too off topic. I know I said that was the last question. Now the last question is how does that relate with Tennessee as well? It feels like Tennessee might be a little bit more highly regarded with, with the Nashville area kind of Nashville's carrying that. Good. Nashville's really good. They yeah, spend Nashville. the money. They got they money for – like the private schools around Nashville, there, there's, some, there's some dudes. And because of the emphasis on it, instead of playing basketball, they go play football or they play both. It's it starts with the cash. It's got to be up front. Right. I know nobody wants to hear that. And I say facilities like that indoor I talked about in Georgia. It is the real deal. The whole nine yards. It's eighty hundred yards or whatever, and it's right. pristine. The Cowboys could practice on it and they'd be happy. Right. So it starts with cash. Got it. That makes sense. Well, great info from the man himself. You look up the man in the dictionary. Brian Smith is holding a picture of Brian Smith, but um. Definitely appreciate you coming on. That's going to wrap up this um, LinkedIn sponsored recruiting episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.